1: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812.
2: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. Good to be with you today. Can you believe it is so cold outside? Isn't today the first day of spring? Jared, isn't it springtime now? But uh, it's freezing outside. And uh, no joke, they're saying that this storm coming in is going to bring the snow level down maybe as low as 1,000 feet uh, and Southern California is under a blizzard warning. Usually in Southern California, when we have a blizzard warning, that means that the machine is broken down at the Dairy Queen, right? I mean, that's what that means to us. No actual blizzard warning. So just be aware out there. It's cold out there. You know, we've been talking about revival and looking at that from different angles on our show. And you know, maybe this cold is going to shake us up here in SoCal, right? We're going to cry out to God. God, why? And who knows? God can use anything he wants. Well, it's great to have you with us today on Southern California Live. And uh, we're here every day from 3 to 5 in all of Southern California. You know, in all seriousness, we want to talk about revival. And you've been hearing about the Asbury revival. And we've talked about that on this show. You've seen it on the news. You've seen it on Fox News and uh, other news stations. And there's lots of discussion about it. But, you know, one of the issues... And if you're unaware of this, students two weeks ago at Asbury Theological Seminary in a chapel service, chapel service ended, but the service didn't end. People stayed, the students stayed, and they continued to sing. And for about two weeks, an ongoing uh, what is called a revival. Some people call it outpouring; they'll call it different things. Uh, the student, the this this didn't end, and uh, it's still going to a certain degree, and maybe spreading to other. Colleges. And you know, an interesting thing is that Christians do, and people do this too Christians and people do this, is that we are very quick to criticize or support something, but we're very slow to discern. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff being said about the authenticity of this revival or whatever's happening there. And I thought we should talk about that a little bit with me to talk about it is Pastor Shane Idleman. He is the lead pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship located in Southern California in Leona Valley, just north of Los Angeles, near Palmdale, where I grew up. His books, radio program, and sermon articles uh, are impactful in the lives of many people. You can also hear him on KKLA in Los Angeles, 99.5, on his program, Regaining Lost Ground. It's early in the morning at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, Shane, welcome to Southern California Live.
3: Hey, Scott. Welcome to be Beyond, and, or happy to be on, and such an important topic right now for our nation.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, you're uh, you're in Leona Valley. Are you expecting snow? You must be getting prepared for that.
3: I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it's coming down a little bit. We've got a special service tonight, kind of a revival-type service, so we're here early getting ready.
2: Yeah, well, that's amazing. So you're going to—that's uh, that's, uh, fantastic. So you were on CBN, and and I saw you on there talking about the Asbury revival. Tell us, uh, and for people who haven't or aren't really aware of what that is, what is the revival, I mean, and uh, how would you describe it?
3: I mean, you summed it up pretty well, what's happening in Asbury, and, um, you know, I—, I Studied revivals for the last 22 years, from you know the Welsh revivals, New Hebrides uh, here in, in, in uh, California, to up and down our coast, the First Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, Evan Roberts with uh, the powerful Welsh revivals of 1904, 1905, it filtered into our you know our area here in Southern California. Um, and so that's the same thing they they call an outpouring or a revival with Asbury Seminary. I've been actually on conference calls with a lot of pastors in different states, and God is pouring out his spirit in profound and powerful ways and it's also happening in a few other universities um and basically the word um you know it it, it has some negative uh, um connotation with it depending on your view that's you know, rightation is people people people
2: and, hear it and they they think something different yeah.
3: But it's actually very biblical. It basically means God breathing life into a spiritually dead person, community, or church. Mm. And that will filter into all other areas. Oh, God, would you not revive us again so that we can rejoice in you? So God is everywhere, his omnipresence, and just like electricity is everywhere in this building. But if I stick a knife in the electrical plug, I'm going to experience it. And so it's God, for unknown reasons really to us, He just his, his manifest presence is there. Uh Asbury's normally theologically not you know kind of liberal but maybe he's waking up the woke. You know, I'm not really sure but um yeah and I'll let you ask her a few questions but yeah with that comes a lot of criticism or people are overly gullible and it's really hard to to steward that and find that balance.
2: So I think Christians we tend to look on things and you're right it's coming from maybe our own experience. Um, You know, I was listening to a comedian a while ago, a Christian comedian, and he was talking about in his church growing up, if you held your hands up during worship, there was a deacon in the back with a pea shooter who would shoot your hands down. Just weren't allowed to do that at all, right? Right, right, right. So you're going to have that angle to it, and you're also going to have people with a whole lot of um, whatever their personal experience or maybe a theological tenet that they're holding on to. And it can turn into – there's been a lot of criticism from people who aren't even there. Uh, how would you say, you know, a Christian, when we see something that people are saying, hey, God is doing this, certainly, and you studied revivals, you probably have some ideas. Sometimes God is doing something, and you, and you you see that right away, or you see that later. Other times, things are called revival, and then there's not a lot of fruit from yeah. it. And
3: I and I know, I mean, it takes a while to unpack, and yeah. so people went to Chain Eidelman on YouTube, or uh, Rumble, you know, I've talked about this, you know, in great depths, because it 's a lot to unpack, and I think we do need to be cautious but not critical that 's the difference mm. and it is in, you know and i I love my uh, you know sensationist friends, but it, it the ninety nine percent of the criticism i mean that video has close to a hundred thousand views now in three days, so the criticism is is coming in like I, I am so surprised. But it's the same group that doesn't talk about fasting and all-night prayer meetings and time at the altar and pressing in and and long worship sets. It it, it goes together, and I think it needs to be lovingly challenged. Um, but if it's people are acting odd and weird and anything goes and God's not being glorified, His Word's not being exalted. Um, then you know we definitely have to take a look at it. But this type of revival, there is not a lot of preaching. And in studying revivals, more specifically, Evan Roberts, there wasn't a lot of preaching. But in the Welsh revivals of Hal Harris, Griffin Jones, Daniel Rowlands in the 1700s, uh, D. Martin Lloyd Jones recommends their work, and it's the powerful preaching ushered it in. And then there's another revival was uh, started by a prayer meeting. It was just prayer and testimony. So if there's abundant fruit, I mean, these kids are on fire for God. People are leaving. their saved. I mean, I I just can't see why we would criticize it, honestly, and just see, you know, what what God is doing.
2: You know, you talked about how, uh, and I think one of the exciting things about this for many people is that it's young people. Um, You know, there's, I think the media is so uh, into, hey, all these people are leaving the church. Uh, A lot of people who maybe weren't really saved are leaving the church or, or no longer, you know, checking the box. They feel like they don't have to in our culture anymore. Uh, but that's fine because that's really more honest. But actually, there's a lot of devout young people uh, and people who are looking for something true, um, and I think that's exciting to people. I think that we should wait on the criticism. So, and maybe there's right. nothing to, to criticize. Is there? Do we have to wait for the fruit, or does the fruit happen? Is the fruit happening now?
3: Well, I mean, we. It, and again, it's the, it's usually the critics that are you know well let's just wait a couple years for the fruit and i knew there wasn't being there any fruit and this is going on and i have to tell you i've got my macarthur study bible i'm not very emotional my dad raised me you know be tough from the farms of oklahoma so But, man, when God meets you and God breaks you and God humbles you, there's just a crying out for more of him. And what we mean by a revival-type service is we're not in a hurry. Mm -hmm. We might do an hour worth of worship. We might preach for an hour. We might be at the altar for extended periods. There's time seeking and pressing in and waiting on God. Now we've got our songs down to 22 minutes. Let's get the sermon down to 30. Let's get out. Let's do one song, and let's get to the buffet. That's not waiting on God. And so we've got to be able to willing and usher in the presence and power of God with theological grounding, with sound doctrine. But sound preaching is theology coming through a man who's on fire. And so we've got the theology many times, but we miss the fire. Or the other side is like a circus environment, and they miss the theological grounding, and then, uh, as you know, all hell breaks loose, and then they use that to um, really dumb down revival. Oh, look at that YouTube video. Look at what that group's doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, this can't be genuine. And let me, you know, i just shoot you straight. My heart breaks for these people. But when you've never experienced a powerful move of God, you will criticize it because pride gets in the way. And you see, how can that 23-year-old be on fire for God more than me? It must not be genuine. So I think a lot of deep repentance needs to take place in our churches.
2: Repentance is a big part of a revival, which, which means, how would you define, in your way, repentance? And what does that mean for the church today?
3: Well, whether it's the Old Testament or New Testament, uh, you know, uh, Greek or Hebrew word for it, it's a turning from sin You know, in your mind, of course, in your heart, and then it, your actions follow. So like I'm going this direction, so, so for my example I just gave, I'm going in this direction of pride and having a critical spirit, I'm a judgmental, or I'm a critical Cathy. Lord, this is wrong, I want all that you have for me, and I'm changing my mind, I'm repenting, and now as a result, I'm going to turn and go a different direction. So that's genuine repentance. And even, you know, for an unbeliever, it'd be recognizing I'm a sinner, I need salvation, I need Christ's wonderful sacrifice on the cross, I'm changing my mind and repenting and exercising faith in Christ. As a result, I'm walking now a different direction.
2: You know, we're living in a time, by the way, this is Southern California Live, my guest is Pastor Shane Eidelman, and we're talking about revival. Um, We're living in a time where this is a generation growing up that uh, is different probably than any other generation in American history with respect to really not being taught growing up. Obviously, it depends on what was going on in the home and other things. But as the culture not really being taught a – what we used to call a Judeo-Christian ethic even – right, that there is not even necessarily right and wrong, and what is happening in our culture is chaos in so many ways. Do you feel like that there is something happening even with uh, this next generation to respond to that spiritually, that God is going to do something here with this?
3: Wow. That is, that's where my heart is because, and I've written articles on this, I write for the Christian Post and Christian headlines in the stream and on this topic of revival. And what I, what's always struck me is during the darkest hour is often when God, God shines the brightest light. So sometimes, well, look what's going on in America. Oh my, I mean, I just spoke last night at a school board meeting, 300 people ta- telling the school board district, this is child endangerment and abuse when you allow LGBTQ curriculum in there and, and just the people that are hungry for the truth. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, um, to, to to get back to that, that solid foundation of, of theology and, and um, uh, you know, I don't know if I quite answered it, but it, maybe you could frame it a different way.
2: Well, I'm just thinking of, you know, something that we get a lot on our show is we, we're we talking about what's going on in the world, and we talk about the issues every day. Oh, I remember. Right, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, I, the, like, you were headed there, I think, with the, this is seems like the darkest time, and some people are saying, oh, Jesus must be coming back. But maybe not. Maybe that's not going to happen for a long time. I like to say maybe Jesus is coming back soon, but maybe this is right before another great revival. Would you agree with that?
3: Yeah, and it could be. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's why I'm encouraged reading about all these. I mean, before the first Great Awakening, I've read letters, I think it was from John Jay, the Supreme Court Justice of the, of the United States, writing how, how a religion was at such a low, drunkenness was abounding, re, uh, atheism is increasing, there is no hope for our nation, even back then. And then God brings an Edwards and a Whitfield and a Wesley and, and calls our nation back to repentance. So, and you're right, premillennial, millennial, postmillennial— I mean, we, we could be here a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, you know, we, everyone's, everyone thinks we might be out of here soon. And depending on your eschatological view, possibly. But how do you know that God doesn't want to give us a measure of revival in our bondage? And how do you know that God doesn't want to contend in these difficult times? And so I'm very hopeful uh, mm. because I trust in God's sovereignty. And that could mean another great awakening. But here's the thing, Scott. Here's the beautiful thing God is awakening millions of people right now, whether it turns into a National revival? I'm not sure, but I'm getting reports from all over the United States that God is doing some incredible works there. So, you know, time will tell, that's for sure.
2: What would you say uh, for our listeners? How do we discern? So there's some, maybe it's happening in our church, you know, whatever church you go to, uh, and people are saying that there's a movement of God. Um, How do you not be critical, but also have uh, spiritual discernment about what is happening?
3: Well, number one, what I do is I look at who I'm getting the information from. Hmm. Is it a non-biased person? Because I just watched a couple different videos that I will not name names, but they said, I can't believe they played that song for over 20 minutes. That's brainwashing. And I'm like, no, that could be worship. They, you know, we don't have to stick to your old four-minute, 22-second song. I mean, when you're pressing Skip the third in, verse, your heart's on fire for God. You're not in a hurry. So the number one rule is who are you listening to? Make sure it's not a critical website or critical YouTube channel. You know, just look. And, I, and so I would talk to people there on the ground, uh, people uh, at the university for hours, and seeing the fruit of repentance, seeing the fruit of, of restoration and forgiveness and young adults crying out for more of God. Um, so you do have to kind of see it and weigh it, but there is... An indication, you know, Jonathan Edwards said of a true revival, is Christ elevated? Is the truth being proclaimed? Is Satan being fought? Uh, you know, so there, there are some things that we can definitely look at. And I think the big thing right now is there is not a lot of preaching. Um, and I, that, that would be a concern of mine for sure. Mm-hmm. But when God is moving, he is preaching. He is the preacher. He's going in the of our hearts and ripping out the pride and the arrogance, breaking, bringing us to total brokenness. And uh, I, I think sometimes, and I'm a preacher, I love preaching sound doctrine. That's what I do. But I think sometimes we don't give God enough credit what he can do on his own without us doing a thing. And I know that's just going to upset people right there. But again, I'm not saying it should replace preaching. But there is a time where if you just wait on God, broken before God at the altar, he will begin to minister to your heart very well. How many people have repented without even hearing a word because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit? So it's a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, you know, there's, I don't know if you know this story, but... Uh, there's a guy, uh, his name is Robert Cunningham, and he was he was set to speak at the chapel service where this revival started. And for some reason, he couldn't make it. And so I think a student actually gave the message, somebody who wasn't scheduled anyway. It might have been a staff person, I don't remember. But And then the revival starts, and he's had this reflection about, if I had been there, would the same thing have happened? And you really have to reflect on that, that it's not about the speaker or the skill of whoever that is. It's about what God wants to do.
3: Yep, exactly. and I just did a podcast, How to Steward, Seven Steps to Steward a Revival Atmosphere. And that's number one, is in this TikTok, Instagram, Facebook age, we want selfies, we want pictures, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. God says, not, listen, think about it. no worship band that we know of, no preacher that we know, nobody can get credit except God alone. And that's another thing I look at. You know, what sparked this? What fueled this? Uh, and it, 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 people have been saying, hey, but there's there's homosexuals there leading worship. Okay, maybe they'll get saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the is Asbury reprimanding that? Is, are they looking at that? Are they rebuking it? Are they causing, you know, wanting them to repent? And are they stewarding? I, I don't know. I don't think we have enough information. Uh, I mean, it's very easy to, to criticize a thousand miles away, but unless we're there— uh, watching how they're handling these things, then I, I think we just need to be careful. But again, it goes back to many people have not experienced the power and presence of God, and it normally, nine out of ten times, it is uh, the cessationist who believe that the miraculous has ceased, and that means we're not going to get emotional worship, we're not going to pray and fast and all-night prayer meetings. They don't talk about any of that. I th- I, to me, I think it's all connected at a very, very deep level.
2: Well, there's definitely things that will cause us to to challenge. You know, I think a good part about this, and part of repentance, is going back to Scripture on, on issues like this. I I like people being able to have a discussion where we can point them back to Scripture, and not even just back to uh, their corner. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's like I'm going to def- I'm going to plant my flag on cessationism or on uh, the on a pre-trib rapture or post-trib rapture or pick your issue of the day. And instead of defending what the Bible says, we defend our position on something. Right. And, uh, yeah, and that's, you Yeah.
3: Know. No, I was just saying you're absolutely... Because you can look at Scripture, you know, look at look at the fruit based on Scripture. People are not... I mean, one person even posted, oh, I can't believe it. You know, there was somebody who was delivered of a demon. That can't be genuine. R- really? Have, have you spent much time in the New Testament? <laughs> it's just amazing sometimes that the... the, the just in such th- this desire to prove it wrong, um, and and it can be hard. I mean, the first three days I was like, "Lord, really?" I mean, we've been praying for revival and fasting for it, and I feel like God has given me that that calling to keep contending for it. And I was like, L- "Really, Lord? Come on, Southern California needs it." And then finally, you know, kind of humbled myself and <laughs> said, "Lord, wherever you want to do it, do it." And uh, it's just been amazing uh, to see what He's been doing. Yeah,
2: I think that's a big part of it. We have to we have to humble ourselves and have discernment and realize that God is going to do what he's going to do and we're praying for revival right we always say that and and we really should expect it to happen then if that's God's will right is why pray for it if you don't think you know, it could happen
3: you, I mean we see how things are getting so dark and perverted that it's almost like oh forget it now but it's yeah. usually often that's when God delivers and you have to people have to understand this Every every single revivalist—I don't want to mention the names. I just, you know, all the guys I've already mentioned. Even more, every single revival that was genuine always had a word spoken against it. Mm-hmm. Whitfield had to defend from his critics. Wesley had to defend from his critics. Evan Roberts, Duncan Campbell, uh, even the, the the famous New York prayer meeting there. Jeremiah Lampard. Um, uh, every single move of God's Spirit that is legitimate has its um it, it's it's a set of critiques in, yeah. in or critics I should say and that's not uncommon
2: and these revivals are not being done by sinless people so even when uh, critics have some kind of point to make so what that's why repentance is a big part of it right hopefully there's repentance exactly. even from the people leading uh and that's been a uh, that's been something i think in an aspire and uh, that i've been impressed with is that they've seemed to have sheltered what's going on there away from people who are looking for personal gain from it, you know, famous people or pastors or worship leaders yeah. who want to go there and get on the stage, right? They said... And I'll
3: keep it, you know, I'll keep the names off record, but yeah. there's three names that people do know that they, Asbury told them, no, they're not, they're not needed there. Yeah. And that was beautiful. So I, I look at that, yeah. um, you know, does a 23-year-old dance too much and maybe jump up and down and say things maybe she shouldn't? Well, so does my 17-year-old, but she still loves the Lord. <laughs> That's right. I mean, come on, golly, <laughs> and guys. The, See,
2: I, don't <laughs> the, get me started. Right, the reason we need a Savior is because we're not going to be perfect in all those things. And, right. And nobody and is. And I don't
3: want people to think I'm minimizing doctrine because I love right. theology. I study theology, systematic theology. We weigh everything that's happening here through the Scriptures. Um, and and people say, but the book of Acts is not for theological training. Okay, but it's for experience verification. Mm-hmm. So if, it, if they experience it in the book of Acts... And we experience it now. I mean, how many people, let me me throw this out to your audience. How many people would have been embarrassed to be in that upper room with the 120 when the spirit fell? Yeah. (laughs) It's more than you think. Trust me. And that tells you, that speaks volumes right there, yeah. where the heart of our nation is at.
2: Well, and I think that's where we need to be. We're about out of time, Shane, but uh, you know, I think that um, really looking at where our heart is with the Lord is a really great way to approach this and uh, just anything that we believe that the Lord is going to do.
3: Amen. They can find more at shaneidleman.com. We'll be posting everything You're... at
2: com. All right. The pastor Shane Idleman is, uh, he's in Leona Valley. I went to your church website and I noticed that you have a 6 a.m. service.
3: Yeah, we started that six years ago. Uh, so there's anywhere 25 to 80 people that That's come to awesome. 6 a.m. And uh, worship, is just worship on for an hour and a half. Um, and you. For most people, that's the most powerful service of the day because they go into. The, then we go into our prayer meeting. Then we go into our services, and hmm. uh, it, it it it's it takes a portion of the day a day. But we've got to what is, what does seek God with all your heart, strength mean? That word seek bakash is to desperately seek until you find it, and that that involves some perseverance and fortitude and strength and. And discipline.
2: Yeah, well, thanks for sharing about that. I thought that was interesting, and I enjoyed that part, being a pastor for so long, and, you know, people griping about getting there at 9 or 10.30. He's like, oh, how about 6? Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, Shane, thank great. you for joining me today, thank and once you, again, God. you can uh, find information about Shane. dot com. That's the, your website, right? Yes. All right, and Pastor Shane Eidelman can also be heard in Los Angeles on KKLA uh, early morning as well, 4.30 in the morning daily on his program called Regaining Lost Ground. Uh, Pastor Shane Eidelman, thanks for being with me today on Southern California Live.
3: Thank you, Scott.
2: Have a great day. All right, God bless you. You're listening to Southern California Live. What do you think? You got some comments about this? Give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. Scott Farrell will be back as the Wednesday edition continues. 11 seconds,
4: you've got 10 seconds, the countdown going on right now, Morrow, up to soap. 5 seconds left in
2: the game, over. you
1: believe
4: in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable!
2: Welcome back everybody, Southern California Live, Scott Correa with you today, I don't know if you realize it or if you would even know, but uh, today's the anniversary of the Miracle on Ice, the Olympic hockey team victory over the Soviet Union in 1980. And uh, I was thinking about that today because, you know, it's funny that we call that the miracle. I don't, most of you or some of you are probably around when that happened. Some of you wouldn't be old enough to know. I was nine, nine years old, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It's one of my favorite moments in all of sports. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888 888-528- 528 Two five five seven we've been talking about revival and talking about how to view it, you know, and with what's happening in Asbury or sometimes when people make proclamations about what the Lord has done or it seems like God's doing it, you have people who are on board right away or people who are critical right away, and we want to be discerning about those things hopefully you've had some revival in your life. I know that a lot of you today are. Practicing uh, or participating maybe in Ash Wednesday services, and you do that. Several traditions do that, um, and denominations uh, do that. And then lots of denominations now, even not denominations, even uh, non denominational churches, do something for this Lent period. Um, Curious if you are doing that, if you're giving up something for Lent, you can give me a call also at 888 528 2557. 888 528 2557. Later on, we'll talk more about that subject actually and how maybe you ought to view that if you're going to do that but I'm curious about that but I'm I'm thinking about that hockey game I was 9 years old and what I remember about it is a few things number 1 I I remember it vividly I remember watching the game with my parents so it's a great memory uh and I loved hockey as a kid I still love hockey next to baseball is my favorite sport actually and um I remember, you know, this was a time where there was no, there's no internet, right? There's no instant notification of scores or other things, right? My, my phone, especially during baseball season, and even now all the hockey thing that's going on, it buzzes all the time whenever there's a game going that I'm following. And, uh, you know, instantly I know what's happening. And I love that about uh, the world we live in today. You know, if somebody's throwing a no-hitter, if you have the baseball app on your phone, you know, it'll tell you there's a no-hitter in the eighth inning. and You can tune in and watch it. It's kind of fun. You know, but back in the day, if you remember, you didn't know. And uh, the Olympics would have been recorded. The Olympics that year were in Lake Placid, New York. They would have been recorded, you know, for the different time zones. So I don't even think it would be necessarily live in the eastern time zone, although it might be. But most of it would be recorded. It's recorded now and they play it, but some of it's live. You know how that works. Anyway, the news, though. So the game would have been, I think, in the afternoon, late afternoon in New York, New York time. By the time the the local news comes on, or the national, you know, used to be you'd watch the the uh, you know the evening news. That's how you would probably get your national news and be on the ABC, CBS, NBC, and uh, you would have you know Tom Brokaw give you the news. Good evening, I'm Tom Brokaw coming to you tonight from Lake Placid, New York, and um, you would get that would be your half hour of news. There was no CNN, there was no Fox, there was no Drudge Report or your favorite website. Are you with me there? So I'm describing it because I know that a lot of you uh, – I'm looking at Jared over here. You probably have no memory of a world like that, do you? <laughs> He's, yeah, you know, um, it's just a different time that we live in. And our brains do weird things to us because I even think back to 9-11, and I can almost imagine myself re-watching the events of 9-11 on YouTube, but that's not possible. There was no YouTube in 2001. Um, I would have seen the clips over and over again on my 25 inch Zenith television back then, but, um, you know, we are just in a completely different world anyway. So what I remember, I had this great memory with my family. I'm sitting on the couch and we're watching the news and I, I was a weird kid, as you can imagine. I watched the news. I enjoyed it. Um, and I did have a sense too, of what this game meant for the country. So, uh, I know some. You know, sometimes as kids you get into that. Sometimes you don't till it's later. Sometimes you never do, but you should. Um, I I understood where we were at as a nation, and I remember watching this game and remember Jim McKay. He was a sportscaster. He passed away. He was a sportscaster for ABC. He did the Wild Wide World of Sports, and if you remember that that's where the mr agony guy goes you know that one jared the the skier who goes off the ski the ski jump sideways and that's right where he says and the agony of defeat it is old it's also it was every saturday wide world of sports mr agony that was and i look forward to that every week anyway jim mckay was the announcer great sports guy And I remember him saying, you know, so the problem is, is because the game's over, they don't want to spoil it because it hasn't been played yet on the West Coast. And it was going to come on at six o'clock or nine o'clock. I don't remember what time. And I remember him saying, I can't tell you what happened in the game, but you need to watch this game. But behind him on the screen was revelry. I mean, it was people were going crazy. And I remember vividly my dad saying, well, we must have won. And nobody expected that team to win. Nobody thought that at all. And the the reason this is a big deal, this game I think is a big deal. It's not just because it was an exciting hockey game. There's other exciting hockey games. Uh, it's because of it had meaning beyond the sport. It had meaning even beyond Olympics. This was a rough time for the United States. Uh, the you know 1980 coming out of um, the 70s. The Vietnam War ended just a few years before. Lots of difficulty with that in the following years. Watergate, just a few years before. President Carter uh, was the president and he was struggling. And uh, Jimmy Carter, by the way, is in hospice care. You probably heard that on the news maybe. He's 98, oldest uh, living president ever, 98 years old. And uh, I'm sure soon we'll have more conversation about him. But he had uh, it was not a good year. The end, his his presidency was not a very good president. Um, most people would say, uh, and if somebody's telling you that, just go back. You know, it was just it was a rough time. And he did great things after he was president, and, and all that is good. But 1980 was the Soviets had invaded Afghanistan, uh, much like what's happening in Ukraine. We expected that from the Soviet Union. There's not a lot of difference with Russia, particularly with Putin at the head right now. There's some differences, but it's it's kind of the same thing. We boycotted uh, the Summer Olympics, or we would later. I don't think we had done that yet, but we were going to. We didn't go to the 1980 Olympics because they are in Moscow. Uh, that might have been the right decision by President Carter, but he was harshly criticized for that, and may, might have been the wrong one. That's kind of up to you. Uh, there was gas prices, gas problems. If you remember, you waited in line for gas if you were around you know, hours you'd wait in line for gas in the United States. We're not talking about Cuba, where you can go down there and see those lines. It was the United States, and you had these rules. There was, you could only get gas on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday if your license plate, the last number in your license plate was an odd number, and it was Tuesday, uh, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday if the last number in your car license plate was even. And gas stations had flags out in front. Green meant we have gas. Yellow means you could only buy a certain amount, like half a tank or something, and red says we're out of gas and that was the the energy crisis was massive uh i believe by now we already had yeah you know, we had hostages in iran american hostages it was a terrible time for the united states and so coming out of all these things people worried and as a 9 year old i knew it as a 9 year old and i think other 9 year olds at the time we kind of knew this was not a good time for our country and as as much as you can perceive that as a little kid you wonder you know you you, you felt it. And so this hockey game that happens in the United States, which was a bunch of college kids, beats this professional Russian team who had just like a week before in the tournament, I think beat us something like 15 to one. It was just devastating. Um, that game was incredible. And I remember sitting there watching it with my parents and we watched the whole game. And we were crying. And we cried because it meant something more that we beat the Russians. I'll never forget, too. The Russian team, to their credit, too, they, at the end of the game, Americans are going crazy, and the Russian team is standing up. They stood up in line, kind of leaning on their hockey sticks, almost almost like they were posing for like a class picture or something. It was this way that they did that. And, of course, they were stunned. And they were great athletes. And, you know, they were so generous, really, with how they treated us, too. People remember that moment. The that it was hard being that they were likely going to be, you know, not treated well when they went home because of that. Uh, so they had a lot of things going on with themselves emotionally. But it was a great it was a great moment. Anyway, if you there's a there's a movie Miracle on Ice, you can go out and see the movie about it. It's it's pretty good movie, good family movie. But that's uh, that's today. And I And I thought about this because I thought, you know, as a nine year old back then. I knew that our country was in trouble and we got Ronald Reagan after that and "Morning in America, of course, in 1984 and things turned around. Oh, by the way, back then inflation was crazy. Interest rates were crazy. It was an insane time. It was just wild what was happening. And we're in a similar place today. I wonder what nine-year-olds think of the country today. I wonder when the nine-year-olds are watching world events or 10-year-olds or 11, if you're a kid, what do you think? I mean, my kids, you know, just they're 13 and 10, and they're kind of becoming aware of what a weird world this is, a weird time that we live in. What do kids think today? And in thinking about that and thinking about revival, you have to think that this generation is going to look and go, we have to fix this. This generation, hopefully that's the path, not we're just going to join this. I think there's a sense. I'm wondering if you have any, any thoughts about that. You can call me up and join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. That's the number. This is Southern California Live. i got to take a break. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned.
1: You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA.
2: Welcome back everybody. Southern California Live, good to be with you today on this this cold, getting cold this weekend, this cold Wednesday. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 is the number. Just got something across the uh, the wires that says that Laguna Beach officially has banned balloons. Does that mean, you know, I will have to look at that. But, you know, I guess if we're going to just shoot everything down that's in the air, you know, hot air ballooning not really the sport for you today. I'm thinking that it's not something I want to do anyway, to be honest with you. But uh, anyway, that's what it is. Maybe they're just banning balloons for Lent or something like that. I'm giving up kale for Lent. Not really, but I, it's easy because I don't eat it anyway. Did you know I say this all the time out there? There's always somebody, too, and I tell them this this thing who sends me a kale smoothie. Uh, I don't want it, but I'll take the seven bucks. But, uh, you know. Uh, 888-528-2557. Are you, are you giving up something for Lent? Is this something that you do? Is this something that you do every year that you take seriously? Or is it just kind of a, you know, an opportunity to think about what it is that, um, you might want to fix in your life. What's your view on that? We're going to talk about that more the next hour, but if you want to call and tell me what you're giving up for Lent and why, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Um we were talking about revivals and you know i think that that's a part of it when you you think about sort of religious traditions or routines lent and today's ash wednesday maybe in your tradition you go and you get the ashes on your forehead and and do all of that um part of it is revival right it's it's there is something about the recognition that we need repentance and I think that's a big deal. If there's something in your life that you should get rid of, it shouldn't just be for, you know, 40 days of Lent. It should be gone, right? There's these movements, right, of uh what's it called, dry January, where you know, I'm going to try not to have any alcohol for January. Well, okay, I mean that's that's worthy, but if you're an alcoholic or something and uh, you've got that going on, well, maybe you should give it up for a lot longer than January. You know, if this <laughs> you know, I think it's um uh, it 's something we do that that is a recognition of the fact that there is something better for us, and that 's a big deal I think with revival what i 'm hoping that we see happen with the Asbury Revival and other schools that might be doing this wherever whatever God does with it, however it spreads, is that we recognize it can be a lot better than this that you know the the crazy times that we are are living in where you have to go down to the city, county, you know, to the uh, school board, and the conversation isn't about how do we teach kids to read more, which is what it should be about. How do we do better at teaching math? The conversation's not how do we compete with China and other countries that are ahead of us. That was something that President Biden dropped into the, uh, I think it was the State of the Union show. They really didn't get a lot of conversation but where he pointed out that actually we've fallen behind. Somewhere in this conversation, the president does point out that we have fallen behind educationally, our our competitors. My friends, that's huge. That is such a huge deal. That is a huge deal for the next generation. Just as far, and I'm not even talking about war. I'm talking about just competition in the world today it matters you know we're living in a time when you got to go down the school board just to defend your daughter's ability to use the ladies room without having a dude in there like that's the conversation that's that is how far off we are today we've got to make sure that uh, the young people know actually it's better Uh, that things can be better that there is things in life things in our country that do not require us to to go back to bad or evil times. It Just ask us to go back and do things that we know are right, to do things that – and that's what I think, by the way, about things that are right and wrong. I do believe that God hardens the heart uh, for people who just completely refuse him. But I think that most of the time we we know – what is right and wrong, that we don't even get confused. I think we just deliberately say no to God and do whatever we want to until the consequences come. Anyway, 888-528-2557 is the number. Todd in San Pedro, welcome to Southern California Live.
1: Hi, Scott. Um, hello. Hi, Todd. <laughs> I was, uh, hi. Um, I just wanted to say uh, love the topic. I put a smile on my face. I remember um, back then in 1980 I was uh, 13 years old I um, grew up uh, next to Lake Placid in mm. Saranac Lake, and uh, I was just a few miles from there. But we stayed home from school that day, watched the game, huh. and got that feeling of euphoria, like everything was great, and it was great afterwards, too. Like, I don't know, everything seemed different, and it was just a really cool time. Um remember uh, meeting people from all over different countries and stuff, because they were in town and stuff for the, uh, the Olympics, and they used to trade pins, you know, like lapel pins, yeah. pins and stuff, with people from different countries, and that was a very positive time, and then, um, oh, and also, uh, what you were saying, I didn't realize, it's almost like history repeats itself with all that's going on, you know, yeah. U.S. Was USSR then they invaded Afghanistan, now it's Ukraine. Uh, President, it was President Carter back then. Now he's in the news, you know, at the, at the maybe a, end of his life. It's
2: now, a remarkable yeah. time. Todd, let me ask you this. You said that you were 13. Did you have a sense? And your school let you out on that day. Did they let you out particularly for this hockey game?
1: No. Okay. <laughs> we, both of us stayed home. Oh, no, we played hooky. To...
2: Yes. Oh, okay. Played All hooky right. for... <laughs> uh, well, I understand that, though, but you played hooky for the hockey game. Yes. Okay. Did you yeah. understand at 13 the the international, yeah. you know, reasons why this was an important game? Uh,
1: yes, because um, they were, you know, professionals. Like, they got paid and stuff for it, and our guys were just, like, amateurs. Like you, knew, you, know? you knew
2: that it was, uh, you know, that we were overmatched, right? Um, but did yeah, you understand, like you said, how... You know I'm so curious because this is my experience too, is that in the days that following it was kind of euphoric it was it was much bigger than anything I've ever seen, even since then, probably it was in sports longer or
1: than days yeah, I think it it went longer than days it went weeks, and i mean it just it's like people were it just it was a sudden change you it's, know it was
2: a change it was, it was, was a shot in the arm yeah. for hope actually,
1: yeah uh, unity you know and unity. Everybody.
2: Yeah, we were very divided. It's an interesting thing. And I, I, you know, this is obviously, it's a, we're talking about unity of Americans and in the the scheme of things, you know, God's Mm going to use our country for how he's going to use it. But I do think that God acts, I don't know if he acts through a hockey game, I don't want to go, you know, but he, it was a change. It really changed our country uh, that one moment. And, uh, you know... I think that we have that, it's probably not going to be a hockey game, but there's a time coming right now in our division where we need something like that.
1: And I have a feeling something is going to happen that's going to do that. I don't know. It's just like a gut feeling, you know?
2: I got that feeling too. Todd, thanks for calling and sharing uh, that story and for listening to Southern California Live. We appreciate it. 888-528-2557. Mary in Las Vegas. Welcome to Southern California Live. How is it in Las Vegas?
4: Oh, uh, it is cold. It is uh, windy. I I wasn't prepared for this at all. Um, it's cold. It's yeah. cold.
2: We're freezing yeah. out here in California, too. We don't know what we're going to
4: yeah. do. I, um, I used to live in Anaheim in a year, and almost um, two years ago, my husband and I moved um, from Anaheim to uh, Vegas, and a year and a day later, he passed away. Hmm. And so I'm here now and um, still seeking uh, churches and just enjoying um, the seeking of a church. I haven't had to seek out a church in years, and so i um, seeking it out. And so today, I saw a gentleman with um, ashes, and I said, hey, where's a Catholic church? Where can I go get ashes? And um, he kind of remembered it, and it was not too far away, and I went just in the nick of time. It was important because I needed to have something um tangible to uh usher into this season. I grew up a Catholic, twelve years of Catholic school, so Lent was an important time of of um for for me and my family. Um, as I grew old and became a Christian, I still had a need to let go of some things. Um, as a kid, you know, it was sugar, it was sodas, it was candy, and even that was hard. Mm. But as I got older, not only was sugar and candy, but then it became other things um, that grown-ups do, um, you know, that we, we try to let go of. And we realize, oh my goodness, we're in this. And so Lent presented a a time where we could kind of let go of some of those bad habits. And uh, thank goodness I've done that. But now it's more important that I seek. While I was in church today, I, I saw myself um, looking at this person and looking at them. And I said, oh, that's it. It wasn't about... Um, the sugar that too the sodas but it was more about the mind and me saying god i no longer want to judge a person by their outer appearance i didn't realize i even been doing that and so uh went back into uh a prayer just a prayer mary, Talked I'm, about. I'm
2: just about out of time mary
4: Okay. But, but you had a uh, you
2: had a good experience today in uh, just realizing that uh, we need to love other yeah. people and that this is something that can draw us closer to the Lord. And I hope yeah. I hope that's doing that for you, Mary. Thanks for calling Southern California Live and for listening in Las Vegas. I do have to go when we come back. My guest will be Jeremy, Pastor Jeremy McGarity. We're going to talk about Lent, what that means today, and uh, we'll take your calls in the next hour. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues.
0: Stay tuned.